This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to take a look at India and a pending bill, very likely to become law. And we have with us as our guide on this tour of India and data privacy, uh, my good friend Stephen Mathias. Stephen, you're the head of the technology law practice at Kochar and Company, one of uh, India's premier uh, multi-city law firms. So thank you for joining us uh, on this excursion to India today. Thanks for having me, Joe. Oh, as always. Uh, well, tell us, uh, there, there's a bill pending, and it's been pending a very long time, but I think it's your view that it's very likely to become law pretty soon. Tell us uh, about that. Yes, so the bill um, was prepared quite a while back, and it was referred to a joint committee of parliament which submitted its report in uh, mid-December 2021. And along with that, a draft revised bill as well. The bill has been thoroughly re reviewed by representatives of the ruling party in India who essentially piloted the committee. And so uh, I'm fairly confident that it has the approval of the uh, Indian government. If it goes uh, so through, I, I assume there'd be an implementation period, and what would we expect uh, that to be? Sure. So the bill will have to come before Parliament be approved by both Houses of Parliament and then uh, signed by the President. We expect that uh, it will be approved during the current budget session, which will end in April 22. Um, the committee had suggested a 24-month period for implementation, starting with the appointment of various uh, regulatory and uh, judicial functionalities. So it's not entirely clear when the law will actually come into effect. They may stretch it all the way out to 24 months. My guess is based on you know precedent from other laws, it's probably more likely to be about six months to a year. So it could be about a year from now, we'll have a very different uh, data privacy law uh, in India that'll affect businesses all over the world because of India's enormous uh, and important uh, BPO and uh, outsourcing uh, strength that it has in some of its great companies. Well, what are the highlights of the law? Lead us, lead us through this. Let's assume it passes the way we, we see it in general. Uh, now, as a pending bill, uh, what are the highlights? Sure. Um, by and large, it's, um, it's pretty much a GDPR-style law. It follows uh, you know, what, uh, a lot of what GDR, GDPR prescribes. Um, it applies to uh, personal data of a person in India. It also applies to personal data being processed in India. And that personal that. data could be of uh, anyone in the world, just any personal data, or is it just personal data of Indian uh, residents? It could also apply to uh, personal data of foreigners that's being Thank processed you. in India. Mm -hmm. uh, it could apply to personal data of, of uh, persons in India processed by businesses outside India, which have no uh, business in India if they have some kind of systematic activity of uh, offering goods and services to persons in India. Um, one very important aspect of the law is there's no legitimate interest type ground for collection and processing of personal data. Let's pause on in that. In GDPR. Uh, in GDPR, of course, uh, uh, although consent is discussed and one has to consent to things, by and large, a lot of data is perfectly properly collected and processed in Europe, as long as there's a legitimate interest in doing it. 
for example, someone applies for a job at a company. Well, you have a company has legitimate interest to review it and keep it, doesn't have to ask for express consent. So you're saying the Indian law takes a different approach. Yes, by and large, uh, I would say consent is more or less in, in almost every case the only option as a ground for collection and processing of personal data. There is a provision which provides for a reasonable purpose, but the government has to uh, pass regulation as to what is a reasonable purpose. Until the government does that, then there is no legitimate interest type of uh, ground under the uh, Indian draft law. That, we'll come back to that one. That's quite important. Uh, what's the next highlight you would point out for our listeners? So there's a bunch of uh, you know rights that are typically there for data subjects, uh, like a right to uh, recall consent, right to be forgotten, uh, right to correction of data, data portability, um, and uh, privacy by design is, is a requirement as well. So, Very similar uh, to a European approach. You, you're saying it's by and large follows the GDPR type approach. Yes, that's right. Um, there are significant requirements on data localization, uh, which would need to be met. Uh, there are some kind of data which must be processed only in India. Some of it where uh, you can send a copy out of India, uh, but you must have a copy in India. Uh, and there are some concerns over, you know, can the processing take place out of India, which is the original, should it be real-time uh, updates and so on. So some of that, uh, you know, hasn't really been clarified properly in the law, and some of our clients are already grappling with that. Uh, finally, the bill uh, does regulate non-personal data. Um, quite interesting. So, so it's really a data privacy, including uh, organizational data. Yes, in fact, the original name of the bill was the Personal Data Protection uh, Bill, and then it was changed to the Data Protection Bill, and they removed the word personal. Much but, broader, um, very interesting. And what does it say about non-personal data? Uh, most of the law does not apply to non-personal data. There was a provision in the original draft itself, which allowed the government to ask for disclosure of personal data, um, to, uh, that is non-personal data, to enable better targeting of delivery of services or formulation of evidence-based policies. Uh, so essentially, you know, aggregated data, which the government thinks might help it, you know, understand delivery of services and, you know, government services, essentially. And this part uh, remains there, but there is a right to the government to pass regulating uh, regulation relating generally to non-personal data. Now, the background here was that sometime back, there was a committee that issued a report on non-personal data. And those uh, recommendations were quite far reaching. And we covered this in a previous discussion that we had. Uh, so that allowed for commercial sharing sharing of personal data with other commercial agencies and so on. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, covered in laws in, in most countries. It was fairly far-reaching and very unique. Quite unusual, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that has not been covered here. But because the government has the power to regulate, the government could uh, develop that uh, aspect of the law later on. I actually am very supportive of what they've done here. The idea of having a separate law on non-personal data 
which would be very prescriptive, very detailed, uh, may just go too far and uh, may ask for or pre prescribe things which India and possibly the world is not ready for. Whereas if you do it this way and you give an enabling power in this law, then it allows the government or the DPA to develop this law uh, slowly and perhaps in hand-in-hand uh, hand with uh, you know, other countries who may be looking at something similar. This will be quite interesting to follow. But what should a, a non-Indian-owned company do to prepare for these changes that may come as soon as about uh, early 2023 to be in, in force? So the first thing uh, that uh, business needs to uh, determine whether the law applies to it and how the law applies to it. So let's take uh, you know personal data of non-Indians located outside India that is being processed in India by the huge Indian uh, offshore outsourcing industry. Uh, because this law covers uh, personal data processed in India, uh, that data would also be covered by the law. So for example, if you have a company that has collected personal data in Europe uh, using legitimate interest, and legitimate interest may not work under Indian law, so they may be forced to go back and get consent because it's required under Indian law. So that's a kind of nightmare situation that uh, hopefully will be avoided if the government uh, exempts some provisions of the law uh, from that kind of data. This is very fundamental, Stephen. Let's say a major European company is using one of the great Indian outsourcing companies. Many do. Uh, you're, you're saying they may really have to redo their relationships with their own customers or anyone whose personal data they're holding to, to mirror more the consent idea, uh, the central idea of the Indian law. That, that, so it forces them, even though the data, the personal data is about European residents and citizens. That's right. That's, that, that is the implication. Uh, but as I said, there is an, there is an enabling provision in the law, which allows the government to exempt uh, the law or any provisions of the law from uh, foreign personal data being processed uh, in India. Uh, so I, I'm hopeful that the government will, uh, you know, pass regulation there and do it uh, concurrent with the law coming into force. So there's no, uh, you know, period of confusion. Right, and it's probably too early to know, but. Uh... Rather than having individual companies come and ask for exemption, probably trade groups or industry groups will come to India and say, would you exempt this category? Is that what we might expect? Yes, that's very possible. Very interesting. And what other, what else would you advise to non-Indian owned companies who have their, who have involvements with India, either collecting and processing Indian data, or as you've just pointed out, having their own uh, personal data about uh, citizens outside of industry uh, processed within India? So if a business is located outside India and does not have a presence in India, then they have to examine whether the law applies to them. So uh, the law would apply if they have a systematic activity of offering goods and services to data subjects in India, or if they engage in profiling of uh, data subjects in India. Uh, so, uh, I mean, this would mostly cover, uh, you know, cloud-based uh, services, uh, social media, and so on. 
where there's no there's no need for a business presence in India, uh, but they're still you know doing substantial business. Um, so if they if they meet this uh, requirement, then they would need to comply as well. But as one example, Clearview, uh, Clearview, the bio company that uh, collects biometric data and shares it with police forces and so on, uh, got in trouble in Australia because uh, they uh, Clearview was a U.S. company. They said, "Well, we're not, we're not in Australia," but they were very definitely using the personal data of Australians to share. That's an example of where that company, as to India, better take a careful look at what Indian law is and whether it applies to them, because there may be this extraterritorial reach. Correct. That's right. Very and, and finally, finally, for businesses who are covered by the law, they would need to uh, begin the exercise of understanding what are the requirements under this law. And most importantly, how do they differ from, how does it differ from their current global compliance? Exactly. Uh, so yeah. if you're GDPR compliant, you may be compliant with 80%, 90% of Indian law, but not necessarily everything. So that's a, a, a review that would need to uh, take place. Very important. And of course, with the population of India, I, I'll bet there are a lot of multinational companies that are going to have to take a careful look at this and make sure they're in compliance and not end up as a headline and uh, uh, getting into trouble with uh, for not having taken this, this look at it. Well, finally, uh, Stephen, you mentioned data localization really implicitly. Let's talk a bit about that. As you've said, the prior uh, draft of a law about uh, non-personal data was really very broad, and you've mentioned it today as well. But for both personal data and non-personal data, what in the bill, what do we see as India's approach to data localization? And by that, we mean requiring that you at least keep a copy and maybe the only copy of certain data, particularly sensitive data. Uh, within India, what what do you see in in this uh, pending bill that most probably will become law? Sure. Uh, so till now, India has had very few sectoral uh, requirements on data localization. It's been mostly in telecom and uh, the payment space, which is also fairly uh, recent. So uh, there are three types of data under this uh, under this new law. Uh, there's critical data which will be defined by the government later. And of course, every client asks me what is critical data, what it might be. But uh, <laughs> that's something the government will, uh, will you know, pass regulation on later on. But that it surely will, is, but it surely will cover things like national security sensitive data, this, this sort of thing. And then how broad is unclear? Is, is this correct? Yes. Uh, I mean, I think clients worry over, you know, health, health and uh, data, financial data, and so on, whether that's going to be covered or not. Um, so this data has to be processed uh, only in India. Then you have sensitive personal data. And uh, there are three types here that are particularly important. There is um, financial data, that is data such as, you know, bank accounts and, you know, payment instrument numbers and so on. Then there's uh, biometric information, including facial uh, images. And there is official identifiers, which is basically your uh, government uh, ID cards and so on. So all of that is sensitive personal data. And these three in particular will, will probably get uh, triggered. This must be stored in India, but you can send a copy uh, out of India. So this uh, you know, language is not happily written. 
and there are issues over can I process it outside India or must I process it only in India and have a copy outside India? Or if I process it outside India, must the copy in India be real-time updated? So that uh, you know is not, not really well uh, uh, you know, described in the law. And uh, then there's the third type, which is just personal data generally, whether uh, you can you can store that outside India, you can process For example, it. email addresses or phone numbers, this sort of thing. It's, uh, right. Okay. Yes, it could be right. processed anywhere, okay, without yeah. uh, prior permission or asking for an exemption. That's right. Right. So it sounds as though India is taking a... Uh, a broad approach to be having the right to localize data, even requiring that it only be processed in India for certain things, but that's to be defined as the law is enacted and then the government uh, interprets the law. Is that the essence of it? That's right. Well, Stephen, thank you for this wonderful journey on a, on a bill that uh, most, most likely will become law very soon and may be in effect uh, within a year or so. A lot of work to do for foreign companies. Uh, any last top tips to uh, uh, to businesses uh, looking at the potential impact of this? Well, I, I think that uh, the law, um, given that India, you know, has so far not had a very high level of compliance with global privacy standards, we've had very minimal laws relating to privacy. I think this law is quite onerous. Uh, you know. Uh, one European lawyer told me it's a GDPR plus plus. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, so I think there are there is a worry over how many Indian businesses, particularly the smaller and medium level businesses, will comply with this law. For the multinationals, I would suggest they begin the process now itself of uh, of reviewing this law and understanding how it's different from their current level of compliance. For the last two years, I fended off clients telling them to wait and not to begin the exercise. But now I'm telling them the time is right. You can begin that exercise. And then wait till the law is actually enacted to you know, make your changes in your privacy policies and get your consents and whatever else uh, you need to do. Stephen, thank you very much for this tour. And uh, the obvious advice here is to watch and make sure when the law is adopted in its final form. And then uh, for those who are collecting processing data that uh, Stephen has described, get good counsel, change things that must be changed before a business or an organization ends up in trouble uh, accidentally. So Stephen, thank you very much. And as always, I will close by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you. <laughs>